my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Hey there, Tanner fans. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta. Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. So today I'm going to be doing an episode of Full House in honor of a couple Full House cast members that are celebrating a birthday today. And, to, and those Full House cast members are Blake and Dylan Tumoy Wilhoyt. I'm sorry if I mispronounced their last names. But they celebrate a birthday today, November 29th, 1990. So they are officially 30 years old. Yes, they played Nikki and Alex Katsopoulos on Full House and Fuller House. They Their first appearance would have been Season 6, Episode 1 of Full House, Come Fly With Me. And, of course, their last episode would have been Michelle Rides Again, Parts 1 and 2 season eight of full house so i just thought i love doing birthday episodes in honor of the cast members so this episode i'm covering today is in honor of blake and dylan's birthday today so blake and dylan happy birthday i hope you had a great day and now i'm going to be telling you what episode i've chosen for the twins and that is season six episode seven entitled trouble in Twin Town. November 10, 1992 is when it first aired. In this episode, Becky's snobby cousins come to town to enter their daughters in a twin contest. Jesse is determined to show up Dick Donaldson and enters Nikki and Alex as well. Meanwhile, at the contest, Stephanie meets twin boys and pretends she's a twin to be with them. <laughs> Let's see what the... um. DVD case says about this episode. Trouble comes in twos. It's the daughters of Rebecca's rich cousin versus the Katsopolis duo in the favorite twins contest. This one's kind of cute. I kind of like this one. The DVD case one. So this episode has a 6.9 out of 10 based on 177 ratings. We do have a familiar place. Bid. Blech. White, a familiar, a familiar face. For those of you that watched TGIF in the 90s, Mark Lynn Baker plays Dick Donaldson, Becky's cousin from Valentine, Nebraska. If the name sounds familiar, if you remember Perfect Strangers with him playing Larry Appleton and... Also, Brandon Pichont playing Belky Bartakamus. I loved watching Perfect Strangers. I think it might still be on Hulu currently, along with the other TJF shows like Family Manners, Sabrina, Step by Step. We also have Thomas and Andrew, played by Brendan Schwartz. They are the twins that Stephanie 
takes a liking to, or they actually take a liking to Stephanie. We have Mary Kane playing Donna Donaldson, Dick's wife. And it looks like she, last thing she was in was in 1995. And she was only in one episode. Let's see. We also have the twin girls, Debbie and Darla, played by twins Aaron and Michelle Braun. I'm curious to see if they were in anything. Oh my goodness. So it looks like Full House and Erie, Indiana were the only two acting credits. However, they have 20 producer credits. Wow. 122 episodes of The Goldbergs, 18 of Schooled. Interesting. See? I wouldn't have known that had I not looked it up. So if that's what Aaron's doing, then what is um, Michelle? Is she also a producer? It doesn't look like it. It looks like Aaron was the one to go into further into the world of entertainment with producing. And Michelle, not sure what she does. So, this episode is directed by Joel Zwick. Writers, Jeff Franklin, the creator, and Ellen G-U-Y-L-E-S. I'll just call her Ellen. She was a writer for this episode. Coolness, coolness. I like it when we get the lady writers in there. Yes, yes, yes. All right. There's no trivia for this episode. Goofs. Joey says, Look, there's your cousins, Michelle, referring to Debbie and Darla. Do you want to wish them luck before the contest? I agree 100% with this person here with a goof. Debbie and Darla are Becky's cousins' twins. So... No, are Becky's cousins' kids. Michelle is only related to Jesse's cousins, not Becky's. Well, if you think about it, though, Jesse, the only sibling he had was Pam. So the only cousins they're going to have are Nikki and Alex. So Debbie and Darla would be Nikki and Alex's cousins, but... I ugh, Yeah, that would always get me when I would watch this episode. It's like, Joey... They're not her cousins. They're Nikki and Alex's cousins. Get it right. Continuity. When Nikki and Alex are on stage with Jesse, Jesse throws both twin scarves off stage and Michelle catches one of them a few shots later. Both the twins have their scarves and then the scarves disappear. When Nikki and Alex are doing their Elvis act, their guitars come and go in different shots. When Dick says he'd like Jesse as a mechanic, waiter, or acquaintance, Jesse's hands are raised to chest height. When the camera changes to focus on Jesse, his arms hang at his sides. And that is all for the goofs. Uh, it looks like there aren't any soundtracks. We do have the user reviews. Let's jump right in. Oh, Power Man Dan, coming back strong. 10 out of 10. Yes! Labels us. <laughs> titles it awesome. This review published March 19th, 2019. Ever faithful power, Mandan, my faith is restored in you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Here's another episode that can only be described as magic. There are some obvious factors in its greatness, but the extraordinary quality can only be magical. San Francisco is hosting a twins exposition. There's even a cutest twins competition. And for the event from Nebraska are Becky's snobbish rich cousins, Dick, wife Darla, I mean Dick, wife Donna, whoops, my timer's going off, 
And kids, Debbie and Darla. Dick is played by Mark Lynn Baker from Perfect Strangers. Their massive egos really make Jesse feel ashamed that he's not a millionaire. At least Jesse is humble and better looking. Well, I'll give him that. Yes, Paul Mark Lynn Baker. After this episode, when I saw that, I'm like, Larry Appleton. Even Larry Appleton could come off as kind of a jerk to Belky. Mark Lynn Baker owns his role far from the humble photographer from Perfect Strangers. Plus, the twins event was cool. Other than that, the greatness was all from an unknown source. Cool. Alright, and let's check out this next review, of course, by another regular reviewer of Full House and Fuller House episodes on IMDb. Taylor Kingston rates this a 10 out of 10 and titles it... The one with the twin competition. This review was published July 7th, 2015. And of course, warning spoilers. I love this episode. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes from this season. I hated the snobby cousins. I seriously think that those kinds of people should have all their stuff taken away from them. They need to come into the real world and learn not to be rude and selfish. In this episode, Becky's snobbish cousins come into town with their identical twin daughter. So clearly, twins are common on the Donaldson side of the family. The whole family are selfish. Rude jerks. And the twins don't even let Michelle play with one of their electronic games. The twins are being entered into a twin contest. Wow, you came all the way from Nebraska Nebraska to go to a twins contest in competition in San Francisco. Wow, well, they do have money to do that, so apparently it's not uh, an expense they uh, are worried about. <laughs> so Jesse and Becky decide... That they need to put some sense into the cousins. Well, actually, to be honest, this is mainly all Jesse. This is all Jesse. So they put Nikki and Alex into the contest as well. Meanwhile, at the contest, Stephanie meets some nice twin boys. But since they only like twins, she pretends to be Stephanie and her own twin, Bethany. This makes for a very exhausting day. Best part of the episode, when the snobby family loses the contest. Worst part of the episode, when the snobby family does anything snobby or rude. Overall, I give this episode a 10 out of 10, which in my ratings book is freaking redonkulous. Yes. Thank you, Taylor Kingston. That was such an enjoyable review. I love that. So, of course, before I get into the podcast, I want to let you Tanner newbies know, if you're new to the podcast, you just started listening, you jumped on the Tanner train, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to let you know where you can find the podcast on social media. On Facebook, just type in Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas Podcast will pop up in the search bar. I'm not going to make you type out Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House Podcast. I'm exhausted just saying it. <laughs> on Instagram, O-M-H-C-F-H-F-H Podcast. It's... Where you can go to follow along. Now, I don't do episode by episode, season by season. There are other podcasts out there about Full House that do do that. I chose to do something a little different. Also, another difference between my podcast and the other Full House, Fuller House podcasts out there. There is actually a Full House podcast out there called Fullest House. Unfortunately, is not for younger listeners' ears. 
I wanted to be give families an option and children an option to have a clean podcast that you know you can listen to in front of your parents parents you can listen to in front of your kids that's why I wanted to be an option out there for everybody to have the chance to listen to my reviews on Full House and Fuller House so another thing if you guys want to have an input on the episodes that I choose you want to have your opinion be shared on the podcast I want to hear from you so Go to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com and leave an opinion, you know, if you want to share your Full House memories, if you want to share your opinion on an episode I covered or one I plan to cover, definitely follow along on the social media site so you'll know which series I'm doing. I usually do a series of four episodes a month ranging from different topics, whether it's the holidays, whether it's oh Jesse and Becky and their love story arc, which I covered in January and February of 2020. Also, starting this week, I am going to be kicking off my new series for December, which is Jesse and Becky, the next chapter, New Parents. That's going to be covering Nikki and or Alex when they come home from the hospital with the twins. It's going to be also covering Yours, Mine, and Ours, where Jesse and Becky disagree on how to raise Nikki and Alex. And we get to see a fun flash forward of them each raising the child they named and just the kids look nothing like the blonde little boys that we will later know as Nikki and Alex. So also season seven's episodes with tough love where Jesse and Becky have to finally discipline an out of control toddlers, you know, Nikki and Alex and also support your local parents in season seven where they realize Nikki and Alex are not, learning to socialize with other children their age in playgroups, they only socialize with each other. So finally, Jesse understands this problem is bigger than the both of us. We need to look at outside help and support. Luckily for them, there is a twin support group that is meeting that week. I get it, guys. I mean, I understand that it's hard to ask for help sometimes from other people that aren't family members or friends or people you know that have children that are probably going... That's what I like about... There are so many Facebook groups that help people going through similar... You know, always offering suggestions and stuff like that. It's really, really great. So many different Facebook groups and other ways to get information from other people about situations you're going through. So, yeah. All right. And one last thing I always like to let you know, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the podcast, I don't do Patreon. I don't ask for your money. This is free entertainment for me to you because I love the show and I I love both shows and I want to just give it to you to, to be entertained for a couple hours just reminisce in the Full House and ep- Fuller House episodes. So the only thing I ask, if you've got a minute, hop on Apple Podcasts, half, <laughs> hop on the iTunes, they're pretty much the same thing, <laughs> and just leave a review. You know, if you want to use emojis, you know, Christmas is coming up. If you want to use a reindeer, a Santa Claus, a Frosty the Snowman, 
or if you want to use emojis and put in your favorite character, describe your favorite characters or episodes, I would love to see that. So, yep, just give it, you know, five stars or whatever you feel you think it deserves. And also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that way you don't miss an episode. I do do weekly episodes. So, all right, without further ado, I am ready to jump into Trouble in Twin Town. Oh boy, I just know that uh, Dick and Donna and Darla and Debbie are all gonna get my hackles raised. I'm telling you. <laughs> Cannot stand them. Can oh, just getting infuriated just thinking about it. But all right, let's watch this episode. Of course, before we can officially get into the episode, we get to see a beautiful nugget. That is the cold open. I always love these little bits of footage before we get in. It's like a little treat. It's like a little gift. So we have Danny in the kitchen. Looks like it's morning. He's reading the paper. He's drinking his coffee. We have Michelle coming down with a gift for Danny. And I gotta say, I love Michelle's two pigtail braids. I think they are so cute. I love her pink overalls. She comes down comes down the stairs announcing, Daddy, I made you a present. And he's like, oh, honey, thank you. He gives her a kiss and takes it. And it looks like a Clorox bottle or container, you know, the white container. And it looks like different cutout pieces of colored construction paper. And it reminds me of the song, I mentioned it before, just like in The Last Dance with Kimmy's Coat of Many Colors jacket or coat. Um, this looks like a coat of many colors. It's, um, it's supposed to be like a birdhouse or a bird feeder, but it's colorful. It's even kind of bedazzled a little bit with some sparkles on there. It's so cute and festive looking. And Danny, of course, at first he doesn't know what he's looking at. Like, wow, this is a really good one. Even Michelle can kind of tell, like, you don't know what it is, do you? And Danny tries to play it off. Like, oh, of course I know what it is. Oh, she says, go ahead, use it. And of course he's still stumped as to what exactly it is. And what he could use it for. He's like, okay, well, let's see. Maybe I should start by putting something in it. He grabs from the fruit bowl on the kitchen table... He grabs a pear and Michelle just shakes her head like, mm-mm, that's not what you put in there. Oh, that's real. Her, her overalls are like pink and white striped. He grabs a little potted flower and it's like, oh, no, actually this should go in here, right? And she's shaking her head like, nope, nope, nope. So when she shakes her head, she is practically rolling her eyes at him like, are you serious? You still don't know what this is that I made you. Stephanie, of course, comes down and gives it away. Oh, Michelle, did you finish your bird feeder? <laughs> Steph uh, Michelle says, I'm all done. Danny just rolls with it. He's like, hun, what a doozy of a bird feeder it is. Like, you had no clue. So he's like, oh, yeah, a bird feeder. You know, I'm going to go get some bird seed and put some right in there. Watch out for the squirrels. They'll eat it all. And then you'll have squirrels, like, hanging around. Like, an abundance, uh, a tribe of squirrels, if you will. That's why I stopped using a bird feeder. Because it's like, I'm not getting any enjoyment. I'm seeing no birds. All I see are squirrels just 
they really did a number on this really nice birdhouse, wooden birdhouse. And it had, like, a little window for, like, the seeds to go in. And then on either side you could put one of those, like, um, those sweet type, um, square things for the birds. I don't know how, and I don't think it was a squirrel doing it, but it would, I would go out the next day and the thing would literally be gone. It's like, you slip it into this little wire thing on the side of the bird. How? No. It was clearly must have been something that had hand paws that could yank it out with both paws and run away with it. So I'm guessing it must have been a raccoon. One, actually, one of the bird feeders I had, I think, was demolished by squirrels or raccoons. Which, it stinks. I was like, no, that's for the squirrels. That's why it's made. It's a bird feeder. Not a squirrel feeder and not a raccoon feeder. Michelle looks at Stephanie and just shakes her head. He didn't have a clue. He didn't know what it was. And that was the cold open. (laughs) Isn't it kind of sad how sometimes, like, when you're a kid, you make something for your parents, like, in art class or some other class and you go home and you're so proud of the hard work you put into something only for your parent to just not get what it is like mom dad it's so completely obvious it's an ashtray or it's a um a pencil holder or a pen holder or something this reminds me of the punky brewster episode uh yeah part i think it's part one no or part two one of um it's an hour-long special. Um, yes, Punky, there's a Santa Claus where Henry and Punky are giving each other their Christmas gifts. And Punky hands Henry something that she made in art class. And he's like, oh, wow, this is an amazing... Uh, and he's turning it over, like, trying to, like, what is this? She's like, it's a pipe. He's like, pipe, yes, it's a pipe. Because, you know, he smokes a pipe. Daddy, I made you a present. Oh, Thank you. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, wow. This is a really nice one. Go ahead. Use it. Use it? Oh, okay. You know, maybe I should start by putting something in it, huh? Okay. There we go. No, you're not putting that in there. No, uh, oh, wow. Come on now. Hey, Michelle, did you finish your bird feeder? All done. <laughs> and what a doozy of a bird feeder it is, huh? <laughs> Hold it up and woo, birds right in there. I'm gonna go put some bird seed in it. He didn't have a clue. <laughs> no, he didn't. All right, so we come out of the intro. We are headed straight to the Wake Up San Francisco set where we have a couple of senior citizen twins. Well, maybe they're not senior citizens. But they're dressed in frilly pink and white dresses. And they're doing a harmonica act. And (laughs) you just see the reaction from Danny and Becky is just like, How in the world did this get to be a segment on this show? 
Like, we really are scraping the bottom of the barrel. No, I mean, these ladies, I don't believe they're senior citizens. No, no, no. They've got to be... You know, I'm going to put them probably just a little older than Danny. I'm going to say that they're going to be between 45 and 50 years old. Let's just put them there. So when the ladies finish their act, Danny says, I don't know why, but I feel like a Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> I'm just thinking of when uh, in the episode The House Meets the Mouse Part 1, where Danny sees Vicky feeding a bird out of the palm of her hand, and then he's trying to, you know, propose to her. <laughs> and <laughs> they get interrupted by um, men and women that are dressed in lederhosen and musical instruments. Uh, kind of makes me think of, like, polka. My grandpa, my dad's dad was, like, into polka and Lawrence Welk. Danny turns to Becky and says, Rebecca, close your mouth. She is still, like, my jaw dropped, like, on the floor, practically. It's like, I don't get it. I mean, you're from Nebraska, Becky. I mean, remember, yo, hey, remember when she wanted to have a square dance for her wedding reception? And Jesse was basically calling her, like, oh, you come from farm people or something? Well, not calling her that, but just, that just seems like when he thinks of Nebraska, and she's always talking about, you know, her family's farm and wanting to go, you know, home for the holidays during the, our very first Christmas show in season two. I'm just thinking of square dancing. It's like, how is this, you know, harmonica music any different than, you know, square dancing? And she looks at him and it's like, all right, I forgot we're still being filmed. <laughs> So she really quickly comes out of that awkward, like, ugh. Betty and Lulu are the ladies. Aww. And all Becky can say to sum up this harmonica act is, Betty, Lulu, that was <laughs> unique. <laughs> She's trying to be polite. Like, this is the only word that's coming to mind is unique. So apparently the Twin Expo, because these ladies are going to be there on Sunday at the Twin Expo. It's an annual thing in San Francisco. And Rebecca says, I can't wait to hear your spirited rendition of Stairway to Heaven. All right, I just played some of Stairway to Heaven uh, through uh, Spotify just because I'd never heard of the song before. It's seven minutes long. No song. However, however, there is a song called Stairway to Heaven by Dolly Parton. I want to see if this could be similar to what Becky was referring. I mean, I'm going based on that harmonica act with the Betty and Lulu. And it just, this Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven did not sound anything like that. So this is clearly a cover by Dolly Parton, Stairway to Heaven. Because I'm looking at the album cover and it says Halos and Horns. Halos and horns. And Dolly Parton looks pretty much like she does now, just with a lot of, you know, face work done and everything. I mean, when I saw just the name Stairway to Heaven, I'm like, oh, that could be like Dolly Parton's own take on a, a different Stairway to Heaven. Like maybe something from back in the like early 90s or the 80s or something. No, it's straight. And it's six minutes long, so it's pretty much the same. Song with Dolly Parton's Country Twang. 
just listening, even li- the lyrics and just the the musicals, just the song sounds very depressing and sad. So Danny invites the audience like, hey, if you are a twin or you know a twin or hey, you're just seeing double, come on down to the Twin Expo on Sunday. I'm going to be one of the judges. So they're off the air and Jesse, who's been waiting in the wings or off side of the set, comes out and clapping like, oh, honey, that was a great show. You did so good. I got to say, I love Jesse's jean jacket with a black leather slit. Is it black or brown? Anyway, uh, leather sleeves. It just and I like how the material is just kind of shiny based on the lights on the set that are shining down on it. So I guess he's gonna take her out to lunch. Oh, that's sweet. They're gonna go on a lunch date. And he also has a message for Danny, like, hey, Vicky's doing a special about women in the locker room, and I'm just that. That's a thing. So Danny is really does not like the idea of Vicky reporting on the Chicago Bears football team. Like, oh gosh, she's going to be in the locker room with all those guys with chiseled bodies and thighs that are bigger than me. And Becky's like, Danny, you don't feel threatened by this, do you? He's like, oh no, of course not. You know, I'm going to go hit up the gym. Yeah, he's like, no, no, not at all. I don't feel threatened. If you need me, I'm going to go be at the gym. <laughs> oh, God. Danny, Vicky loves you just the way you are. You and your string being, being self. So Becky goes over to get her briefcase. And in doing so, she also tells Jesse, oh, honey, I have something to tell you. But before I do, you have to promise not to whine. And Jesse's like, I never whine. And she says, my cousin Dick and his wife Donna are here from Nebraska, and they're bringing the girls for the Twin Expo. It's like, oh, those rich snobs. And she just looks at him says, you're whining. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm just voicing a manly complaint. And she says how they, uh, Dick and Donna have brought Debbie and Darla too many depot people <laughs> for the twins expo and they're taking us out to dinner and jesse's like i'm gonna eat dinner with them too and he's like okay that was wine <laughs> oh that just sounds like <sighs> a night of pure just torture like having to put on a smile a fake smile and like ugh. I guess I'm getting free food. They better be paying for they're, they're paying for this meal, right? We don't have to pay for them. I mean, if you were in Jesse's place, and yes, they were paying, but these were the most obnoxious, rich people that just talk about money and how much money they have and how much, oh, I got a boat and I got, like, this and that and everything else and then they're and they're constantly putting you down in how you live your life if they were offering to pay for a meal to take you out and pay for your meal would you willingly accept if you had to sit there and play nice the whole time and listen to them regale you with stories of yachts and mansions and BMWs or Rolls Royces or whatever. 
I don't know if I could stand that. I... <laughs> so I gotta ask, the, uh, season six, we do see Becky with kind of a... Would you say strawberry blonde, or would you just say kind of reddish hair? I think this is the hair of hers that I'm not a huge, huge fan of. I mean, it's okay looking, but... <laughs> but I feel like a wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Rebecca, close your mouth. Oh, Betty, Lulu, that was unique. <laughs> Can't wait till this Sunday at the annual Twins Expo to hear your spirited rendition of Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you, ladies, and don't forget, I'll be emceeing the favorite Twins contest, so uh, come on down to the convention center if you are a twin or you know a twin or you've ever seen Devil. <laughs> Bye, and have a great weekend. Thanks. Great show, great show, great show. Hi. Ready for lunch? Yeah. Oh, uh, Danny, Vicky called and she said uh, she'll call you back between 7 and 8. Can I call her? No, she's on her way to Green Bay. She's, she's traveling with the Chicago Bears. The football team? Mm hmm Yeah, she says she's doing some kind of special on women in the locker room. <laughs> you mean she's going to be in a locker room with 40 guys with chiseled bodies and thighs bigger than me? <laughs> Danny, you don't feel threatened by this, do you? No, no, not at all. If you need me, I'll be at the gym. <laughs> Honey, listen, I have something to tell you, but you have to promise not to whine. I never whine. My cousin Dick and his wife Donna are in from Nebraska. Oh, those rich snobs. <laughs> You're whining. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just voicing a manly complaint. They brought their twins, Debbie and Dollar, for the contest at the expo, and we're having dinner with them tonight. Oh, jeez, I have to eat with them, too. <laughs> All right, that was a wine. That was a wine, yes. All right, now we're going to get back to the Tanner house. We're in the kitchen. We got DJ, Steve, and Kimmy all hanging around the kitchen table. Looks like it's after school. Stephanie runs down the stairs into the kitchen and says, DJ, Steve, I'm glad you're here. And Kimmy looks at her and says, what about me? <laughs> what about me? And Stephanie just looks at her and turns back to Steve and DJ and says, DJ, Steve, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Completely like, Kimmy, you don't matter to me right now. Now, I notice, I th I think it's in, is it in season five when Stephanie starts wearing those headbands constantly? Because she has this one in this scene that is really unflattering. It's a black headband, but it's got some type of gauzy black bow piece on top of it. And it just looks very, just not good looking. So Steffi admits she has a boy problem. And I love how DJ and Steve together like, ooh. So Steffi tells him, no, this is serious. This boy at school, Jimmy Laster is always pulling my hair and giving me noogies. And Stephanie asks, like, why is he doing that? And it's like, Steve, you're a guy. Help her out. But all Steve can suggest is, well, hey, maybe you have one of those noogie heads that guys can't resist. DJ, of course, 
thinks it's, oh, it's because he liked you and he's too immature to tell you. Um, no, I don't think it's it because we'll go into that when we uh, follow up with this whole situation. This behavior is from this boy to Stephanie pulling her hair, giving, giving her noogies. He is physically touching her without her consent. Now, at the time that this episode aired, we didn't have books addressing these situations. Like, what is an acceptable form of touch? Or you ask, you get permission. You don't just put your hands on another person. You definitely don't give them noogies. You don't pull on their hair. For the longest time, even when this episode was around, and maybe even when I was a kid, it always was the saying, oh, well, maybe they're doing that. Maybe he just likes you. And I want to bring up a book I have not read yet. I have it. I am going to read it. It's a middle grade novel by Barbara D. And it's called Maybe He Just Likes You. This actually came out over a year ago. And I'm going to read this synopsis real quick. All right. Barbara D. explores the subject of Me Too. For the middle grade audience in this novel about experiencing harassment and unwanted attention from classmates. For seventh grader Mila... It starts with an unwanted hug on the school blacktop. The next day, it's another hug, hug, a smirk, comment. It all feels weird. According to her friend Zara, Mila, Mila is being immature and overreacting. But, excuse me, doesn't she know what flirting looks like? But it keeps happening, despite Mila's protests. On the bus, in the halls, even during band practice, the one time Mila could always escape to her blue sky feeling. It seems like the boys are everywhere and it doesn't feel like flirting. So what is it? Mila starts to gain confidence when she enrolls in karate class, but her friends still don't understand why Mila is making such a big deal about the boys' attention. When Mila is finally pushed too far, she realizes she can't battle this on her own and finds help in some unexpected places. Alright, one last book. It's called That's What Friends Do. It's by Kathleen Barnhart. Also dealing with the same type of situation. A heartfelt and powerful debut novel for fans of Aaron Entrada, Kelly, and John David Anderson. That's what friends do. It's a book about is a book for anyone learning how to have the hard conversations about feelings, boundaries, and what it means to be a true friend. Samantha Goldstein and David Fisher have been friends ever since they met on their town's Little League ba- uh, baseball team. But when a new kid named Luke starts hanging out with them, what was a comfortable pair becomes an awkward trio. Luke's comments make Sammy feel uncomfortable, but all David sees is how easily Luke flirts with Sammy, and so David decides to finally make a move on the friend he's always had a crush on. Soon, things go all wrong and too far, and Sammy and David are both left feeling hurt, confused, and unsure of themselves, without anyone to talk to about what happened. As rumors start flying around school, David must try to make things right if he can, and Sammy must learn to speak up about what's been done to her. 
And I get it, guys. This is a sitcom, but I felt this is a very important moment to bring this type of behavior up. Because I will admit, I too, of course, have been a, a victim to that type of behavior. When I was probably right around Stephanie's age, there was a boy who was a great older than me, thought it was okay to kiss me on the side of the face. Or put his arm around me. And let me tell you, I felt so uncomfortable. I never told anybody about it and, until now. I never told my, my family. I never told my teachers. I just felt really, really embarrassed. But let's get back to the episode. And Stephanie's like, really? He likes me? And DJ says, yeah, you should do the right thing and give him a call. And DJ says, you know, maybe he'll want to get together. Kimmy, of course! Oh, there's kind of advice here, too. Oh, do what I do. Get an 800 number and advertise on television. Uh, Kimmy, you do know you're a minor, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, it's play for laughs. <laughs> DJ... Steve and Stephanie look at Kemi like, girl, you need some help. You need to talk to somebody. That is not right. DJ, Steve, I'm glad you're here. What about me? DJ, Steve, I'm glad you're here. I've got a boy problem. Ooh. This is serious. This boy Jimmy Laster is always pulling my hair and giving me noogies. Why is he doing that? Hey, maybe you have one of those noogie heads that guys can't resist. Steve, it's probably because he likes you and he's too immature to tell you. Really? He likes me? Yeah. You should do the mature thing and give him a call. Maybe he'll want to get together. Or do what I do. Get an 800 number and advertise on cable. <laughs> It's evening time. We're in the living room. Becky is setting out a little candy dish with maybe some mints. We hear the doorbell ring. She goes up to the door. Before she opens it, she kind of smooths down her dress like even she is nervous about her cousins because or her cousin and cousin-in-law because they're wealthy and she wants to make a good impression. I, I mean, who knows when the last time she's seen this cousin. Was he there for the wedding? She opens the door, flings her out, arms out, and like, oh, cousin Dick. And Dick gives her a hug, like, aww. Well, at least that's what you think before he opens his mouth and starts talking. <laughs> and let's look at uh, Dick's wife here. She is dressed in a pink suit jacket. She's definitely got the jewelry with the earrings and the gold necklace and face full of makeup. Her neck is what really I take notice of. It is very elongated. And Donna comes in. Becky gives her a hug. The two girls, Debbie and Darla, come in. Whenever I hear Darla, I immediately think of the Little Rascals. And Becky, she's definitely playing nice here as, as well as she can, or maybe she actually is happy to see them. <laughs> she's like, oh, girls, let me see you. Oh, it's been so long. You've gotten so big. Both the girls, of course, dressed identical from their flower print skirts to their white shirts to their 
white socks and pink shoes with white laces. And the identical little uh, ponytail dealy thing they got going on. These children just seem like robot children. I'm sorry, but they're just... Mm. So, Becky's like, come on, make yourselves at home. And it's the wife. It's Donna. Oh my gosh, I just thought of a Donna. Remember Dr. Data rides again? <laughs> and Jesse's ex-girlfriend named Donna. That immediately came to mind. But anyway, it's the wife that speaks up and says, Well, Becky, we haven't seen you since you got, well, you know, married. I'm like, oh, <laughs> ugh. And then Dick pipes in with, How you holding up? <sighs> the way he asks, like, how you holding up? Like, she was forced into the, like, no, it was a joint decision to get married. My gosh. She almost looks like she wants to say something, but is holding it in. But yeah, it's like, Jesse and Becky both agreed to get married. It's not like she was, like, forced. I mean, my god. These people already opened their mouths and are already... They're... They, they drive me so nuts. They are the worst type of human beings. We cut to the stairs. We got Jesse coming down with Nikki and Alex. And he's telling them... Life lesson number 37. Pretending to like someone. Jesse comes down all enthusiastic, fake enthusiasm, of course. Dick, Donna, it's been way, way too long. He's got a twin in each arm. <laughs> and Dick's like, oh, Jesse, cute kids. They look just like Rebecca. Right away with the digs on Jesse. Ugh, I'm sorry, but if I had a family member that pulled that kind of garbage around my husband, I'd be like, there's the door. See yourself out. Don't expect a Christmas card. In fact, don't expect to be, me to see you at the next family reunion because I won't be there. They're the exact type of people I literally cannot stand. It's those that have everything, yet they still feel the need to turn around and put other people down for having less. Like, oh, there's something wrong with you if you don't own a yacht, or you don't have a mansion, or you don't drive a Rolls Royce. Because we're going to get into, I guess, Becky's past of dating Doyce Plunk. But yeah, after Dick says to Jesse, oh, the boys look just like Rebecca, he's like, oh, you looked out there. <sighs> Dude, have you looked in a mirror? Then shut up. I'm sorry that sounds harsh, but I can't. Ugh. Bring me Larry Appleton. Can we get him? Just Mark Lynn Baker, please play just Larry Appleton. Granted, he wasn't the nicest guy either, but I prefer him over this Dick character. He's just Dick. You know, his name is Dick. What would he do if he, he Jesse's like, so Richard? <laughs> Who 
you hear the audience after Dick and Donna are even Donna's like laughing and turning to Becky like oh, my husband is so funny. <laughs> you hear the audience go ooh, and they will do that again. It's like hey, we're laughing at your husband's expense. <laughs> Becky needs to seriously stand up for herself and her fan, her husband, and defend her husband. No woman alive would let a family member speak to their spouse in that way. I'm not just no, no, no man alive is going to let some family member talk to their spouse that way either. Yeah, this guy's all like, <laughs> small joke. <laughs> yes, Jesse, he <laughs> gets someone good. He's like, well, you know what they say, small joke, <laughs> small mind. Yeah, Jesse. And Dick, of course, is not laughing. It's like, little man, you want to go toe-to-toe with Jesse Katsopoulos? You're going to lose every time. I love the young. He's like, woo! Yes! Jesse scored gold. <laughs> Becky, of course, is trying to turn the situation around. Like, okay, let's move on from this. We don't need any blood on the floor. So, am I under the impression that Dick and Donna think Jesse and Becky own that entire house because Donna's like oh who's this little girl as Michelle comes in like <laughs> like what do you have a daughter that we didn't know about <laughs> Joey also comes in and Becky says this is Danny's daughter Michelle Michelle say hi to Dick Donna Debbie and Darla Michelle's <laughs> like hi Dick D- uh, and all you other D, D- people <laughs> and Dick's- Dick looks at Joey's like, oh, and you must be Danny. So, clearly they weren't there for the wedding. Because Danny was the one giving the toast. He's the tall, dark-haired man. Always worried about, like, use a coaster, use a coaster. And giving that long-winded speech. So they clearly weren't there for the wedding. Which, just as well. And Joey's like, well, no, I'm Joey. And Becky clarifies, well, you see... Joey, Jesse, the twins, and I, we all live in the house with Danny and help with his girls. And Jesse asks how, oh yeah, Becky and I have a little place in the attic. And the look on Dick's face. He's like, uh, the attic? He's just probably picturing some dirty attic with a bunch of hoarded junk up there that hasn't been touched in 50 years and smells like mildew. And mothballs and whatnot. And Donna, of course, like, oh, how quaint. I want to know what that man does for a living. I honestly want to know because we know that Becky comes from Nebraska. Her family is involved with farming. It's a really big industry. And I'm just kind of wondering, what does that guy do? Does he uh, sell tractors? Does he own an apple orchard? Does he sell apple cider? What's his main source of income? Or is he just living high off old daddy uh, money bags? Maybe the whole entire... Because he is a Donaldson. Same as Becky's dad is. So clearly this is her uncle's son. I love how Joey is like, okay, let's change the subject here. So Joey says, hey... 
Uh, I know you guys all got to get out to dinner, so Michelle, why don't we take the girls into the kitchen and, you know, we'll have some cookies. You girls like cookies, don't you? Spoiled brats. We prefer store-bought. Well, if I were to, I'd be like, well, I prefer if you weren't here, but uh, we can't always get what we want, can we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jesse's like, Jesse, Joey's like, you like home, uh, home-baked cookies or fresh-baked cookies. And that's where the one girl's like, we prefer store-bought. <laughs> Michelle, literally, arms folded across her chest. Uh, literally, head thrown back, eyes rolling to the heavens, like, oh, this is gonna be a long night. <laughs> I love, of course, how Dick and Donna don't correct their daughter for her rudeness. Joey takes Nikki and Alex. So as Joey takes Nikki and Alex and the girls and Michelle all go to the kitchen, Dick is just marveling at the beauty of his two twi- his, his twin daughters. Like, aren't our girls cute? I can't wait to show them off in the twin competition. And Becky, I'm surprised she hasn't thought of this before, or she she's just not thinking of it. Like, hey, Jess, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't we, you know, enter Nikki and Alex? Jesse's against it. He, he tells her, no, 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 no. I am not going to go and throw my kids on stage like a couple of parading, parading them around like a couple of trained baboons. And you see Dick's face like, <laughs> baboons. The look that Dick and Donna share, it's almost like they're silently conversing with each other. Like, can we just call our kids baboons? I love the audience. They're like, ooh. <laughs> hey, they, Cassopolis get to give you as many digs as you're giving back. You don't get to sluss. Just toss the insult, uh, insults out and not get them thrown back in your face. Like you're gonna get as good as you're th- you're giving. That's all I'm saying. Like we can play the insult game too. Becky, of course, is like, oh boy, fight's gonna break out. Let's uh, let's get to dinner, huh? <laughs> But if you guys thought that the insults that Dick's thrown out are over, uh, uh, uh-uh. It's gonna get real raw here. Jesse, of course, is trying to get out of this dinner. It's like, you know what, on second thought, why don't you three go out to dinner? You know, I got some schoolwork to catch up on. And Dick asks, oh, you're working on your PhD? And Jesse's like, oh, well, well, pre-PhD? Dick asks, like, uh, master's? Bachelors doesn't say associates, <laughs> and Jesse is nervous, like uh, high school. And Dick starts laughing. Oh, <laughs> it's almost like he thinks Jesse's kidding. Oh, <laughs> high school. And the look on Jesse's face is like, You human piece of garbage. If my wife weren't here, I would lay you out on the floor because that's what Dick is, he is human garbage. And Dick's like, he stops laughing. Oh, you're serious. And the way that Donna's kind of putting a hand to her husband's chest, like, honey, please, he's not kidding. <laughs> and this is, if I were Becky, I would be jumping in here. Like, yes, my husband's working on his GED. Why he's doing that now, at age 29, is none of your business. 
That's a, they, it, it makes me so angry that Becky is not standing up for her husband. I mean, does Becky feel like she needs this guy's approval so bad she's just going to stand there like a lump and let him take cheap shots at her husband? And Dick says, oh, well, you can come to dinner. <laughs> it's not a school night. And he and Donna look at each other. <laughs> like, shut up. Seriously. I have had enough of the both of you. Uh, put your butts on a one-way trip back to Nebraska. Along with your two gremlin children. I mean, although, although, I will say this. Their kids are robots, but they're not gremlin children in the same vein as Joey and Ginger's monster children are. They're very different playing field here. I love Jesse here. He's like, oh, now I see why you married him. And Donna, oh, it's like, oh, because he's funny. And Jesse says, no, because he's rich. 100%. 100% that is why she married him. It's not because that guy has a good personality. It's because he's loaded. This lady is clearly all about status. She's got rings. She's got a watch. She's got the necklace. She's got who knows how much they cost. With their fake plastic smiles. It's just... Love the, oh, the audience reaction is priceless at every dig that Jesse gives. Like, yes! Whoa! And you just see Becky right behind Dick. You don't even have the guts to stand next to your husband and be supportive of him. I'm sorry I'm railing on Becky, but she just really gnaws at me this episode. Big time. Now, I know any of you, whether it's a husband, wife, significant other, however, you, I can imagine that you would not let someone speak to your significant other like this at all, family or not. There's a line that you don't cross. I know that you got your green like, oh, you really don't like the person and this, you don't say it to their face. But there's nothing wrong with Jesse. Not a thing. As far as if you look at all eight seasons of the show, the character growth of Jesse is honestly more growing than Dick will ever do in his lifetime. And I'm not trying to make a short joke because I'm short too, but yeah, just people like Dick and Donna, they, they bring the irritation out of me. It just rages. But let's move on. So Dick, of course, brings up the fact like, oh, we have reservations for the most expensive restaurant in town. On us, of course. And Donna, of course, like, oh, we know you're a struggling musician. He is really... I gotta hand it to Jesse. He is keeping his anger in check. Finally, you open your mouth, Becky. She says, oh, no, Jess has a really good job on the radio. And she even brings up the fact that he had a number one record in Japan. And Dick says, well, if we ever have dinner in Japan, it'll be your treat. 
And they're laughing like, oh, yeah, like you could ever afford to go to Japan. <laughs> Dick and Donna walk out the door first, and Jesse says to Becky, that guy is a small joke. He says, I'm going to get him. And Becky says, please, honey, no violence. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm going to order the biggest lobster on the menu. <laughs> Who wouldn't do that? If somebody... if, But honestly, like I said, I would not. You couldn't pay me enough to go to dinner with those two and and sit and listen to... Whatever's going on in their life. And just have... And, and not to mention, you're going to sit there and you're going to constantly be put down by them. From your clothes to what you do for a living to how you live your life. All of that. It's going to be on the table for them to pick at and attack you with. No... No money. Nobody could give me any amount of money that would... I would be sitting in a restaurant eating dinner that they're paying for. No. Nothing is worth that humiliation. He says, who's talking about violence? I'm going to order a 12-pound lobster. Lobsters get that big? Wow. Now, I've never, you know, I've had my share of some pieces of lobster. And I know you're going to say, well, this doesn't count as real lobster. You know, the lobster bites from Long John Silver's is as close to a, my sister when I was a teenager had a lobster and she had given me some and I just, I just, I didn't care for the taste. Now, crab I like. I like crab. You know, crab rangoons. You know, when I was going to Asian Buffet when I lived in Michigan, they had crab and it was just, it was so good. But crab... The Rangoons are so divine and yummy and just, not just the kind that you buy, like, in the frozen food area of stores, but just Crab Rangoons, that's my go-to appetizer when I go to, you know, restaurants and stuff that serve <clears throat> Chinese food and stuff like that. That is my go-to. And it's, I'm really particular. Like, there are some places that have good Crab Rangoons, there are others that they're not so good. I think it really depends on how it's fried up. Maybe the type of cheese and crab meat that they use and everything. So It's just honestly, and don't hate me for saying this, but to me, lobster just kind of tastes maybe a little bland. Maybe I haven't had really good lobster. But for me, I just settle for, and I don't think Long John Silver's has had it in ages, was the lobster bites. I can't even remember the last time. It's been years. Cousin Dick! <laughs> <laughs> Kids, come on in. Come oh, on yeah, in. come in. Let me see you. Oh, you guys have gotten so big. Come here. Give me a hug. Oh, thank Little you. robot children. Well, come on in. You know, make yourselves at home. <laughs> well, we haven't seen you since you and Jesse got, you know, married. Who are you to talk to your dear mom? All right, boys. Life lesson number 37. 
pretending to like someone. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Donna, it's been too, too long. Well, Jesse, oh, cute kids. Thank you, thanks. They look just like Rebecca. You lucked out there. <laughs> small joke. You know what they say? Small joke, small mind. <laughs> Jess? Hello, hi. Who's this little girl? Oh, this is Danny's daughter, Michelle. Michelle, say hi to Dick, Donna, Debbie, and Darla. Hi, Dick and all you other D people. And you must be Danny. Uh, no, I'm Joey. Oh, see, Joey, Jesse, the twins, and I, we all live here in Danny's house with Danny and his daughters. Yeah, Becky and I have a little place up in the attic. The attic? Hmm. How quaint. <laughs> well, uh, I know you guys have to go out to dinner, so, Michelle, let's take the kids into the kitchen for some cookies. Oh, boy, girls, you do love fresh-baked cookies, don't you? Who doesn't? first, store-bought. <laughs> Aren't our girls cute? Yeah, they're okay. Can't wait to see them in the favorite twins contest. You know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Just we should enter Nikki and Alex. No, 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 absolutely not. I'm not I'm not gonna parade my kids around like a couple of trained baboons. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Baboons? Whoa, look at the time. Shouldn't we be going to dinner? <laughs> Think about why don't you three go? I have some school work to do. Oh, working on your PhD? Well, actually, it's it's, uh, it's my pre-PhD. <laughs> Masters? Bachelors? <laughs> High school. High school. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, you're serious. <laughs> well, you you can come to dinner. It's not a school night. <laughs> <laughs> I see why you married him. Because he's funny. No, because he's rich. Exactly, exactly. Just you hit it on the uh, head. Speaking of which, uh, we have reservations at the most expensive place in town. Uh, on us, of course. Of course. We know you're a struggling musician. And what do you do for a living, lady? No, 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 no. Jess has a great job on the radio. And did you know that he had a number one record in Japan? Well, if we ever have dinner in Japan, it'll be your treat. <laughs> small joke. Uh, Hell you're a, that guy is a small joke. I'm gonna get him. Yes, honey, Jesse. please, no violence. I'm talking about violence. I'm gonna order a 12-pound lobster. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're going up to DJ's room, and she's on her computer. Stephanie comes in and says, "Hey, DJ, I took your advice and called Jimmy." DJ turns around in her little computer chair and asks, So, was I right? Does he like you? And Stephanie says, Close. He hates me. She also tells DJ, He said if I ever called him again, he'd have me arrested for harassment. Um, why don't we turn that blame finger around, Jimmy? Because what you're doing to Stephanie is flat-out harassment. Pulling her hair, giving her noogies, touching her without her consent. Yeah. And even, you know, back then I know it's like we brushed it under the rug. Like, oh, it's just boys being boys and stuff. Like, no. This is, gosh, I wish this type of stuff had 
been for back then. It's like, Stephanie, like, what he's doing to you is wrong and cruel and should be addressed. But then again, this is 1992 and we are living in 2020, so... So I like the sisterly moment between DJ and and Stephanie as DJ apologizes for kind of giving the wrong advice. Like, I'm sorry, voice sometimes at that age can be kind of confusing. Sometimes, you know, the single uh, signals get missed. And Stephanie's asking an honest question. Like, I just want to know if a guy likes me. Well, I would think because Stephanie's, what, 10 years old at this time? Maybe 11? No, it's season six, so she's 11. And I'm just kind of thinking, it's like, boys at that age? I mean, especially back in the 90s, but then again, they probably even go for now. They're not there yet. As far as, like, liking a girl like that. And I just can see they more think of girls like, like, probably not, you know, they're not figuring that stuff out at 11. Give it, give it another three to four years. Boys will still seem confusing, but at 15, I think they're eventually starting to develop, like, who do you find attractive, who do you not find attractive, and the signals are still going to be, you know, mixed and and crossed and confusing and stuff, but at least, I mean... I think you'd be able to tell a little more if at 15, 16, if a guy or girl likes you versus at age 11. When it's like, you're still a preteen. You're not a teenager yet. I think sometimes you gotta give guys, you know, a chance to catch up mature-wise and age-wise. Like, you might be there, but they're not there yet. So, these tips are interesting, and we're definitely gonna see them in action coming up. When we get to the Twin Expo, she says, if a guy likes you, he'll kind of hang back and stare at you. And Stephanie's like, okay, so if a guy likes me, he'll stare at me? And DJ says, oh, not exactly. You might have some gunk stuck in your teeth. So is she kind of gathering all of this from the years of, you know, her liking? Because we know that she's had a sling of guy friends, boyfriends, before Steve. Remember Kevin Gwynn? Cutie Pie? From season three? Yeah. So DJ says, well, if he does like you, he might actually start kind of fixing his hair a little bit and smoothing it down. Looking for any cowlicks and sticking up in the back. And Stephanie's just eating this information up. Like, all right, great. Staring, hair fixing, what else? So DJ instructs Stephanie on... Alright, if those two things go good, the next step is to give them a smile. But not a whole smile, just a half smile. You don't want to scare them off. So Stephanie's like, okay, how's this? And she, it almost looks like a smirk smile. Which is like, um, part of the, you know, corner of the mouth is kind of turned upward or something like that. And like, hmm. DJ says, that'll scare him, definitely. And Stephanie says, all right, tell me more. I need details. And DJ says, well, you just do everything I said. And if he likes you, he'll come over and talk to you. Stephanie is like on cloud nine. She's like, this is great. And then what happens? And DJ looks at her and says, nothing. You're 11. (laughs) Slow your roll there, Steph. 
does nothing. You're in the fifth grade, Steph. <laughs> I love the look. Steph, you're like, really? Ugh. Deej, I took your advice and called Jimmy. Was I right? Does he like you? Close. He hates me. <laughs> he said if I call him again, he'll have me arrested for harassment. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. Sometimes guys are complicated. Well, not exactly complicated. More like simple. I just want to know how to tell if a guy likes me. Well, sometimes guys just kind of hang back and stare at you. So, if a guy stares at me, he likes me? Not necessarily. You may have some gunk stuck in your teeth. <laughs> but if you don't and he does like you, he'll start fixing his hair. Okay, staring, hair fixing, what else, what else? Well, then you smile at him. But just a half smile, because you don't want to scare him. How's this? <laughs> That'll scare him. Tell me more. I need details. We'll just do everything I said, and if you do it right, he'll come over and talk to you. This is great! Then what happens? Nothing. You're in the fifth grade. <laughs> Alright, let's go to across the hall to Michelle and Stephanie's room, where Michelle is trying and failing to entertain Debbie and Darla. She's like, hey, what do you girls, what do you two want to do? And don't know which twin it is, but she asks, do you have a TV, VCR, laser disc player? Laser disc player? Laser disc player, just, it sounds like, it, it really reminds me, well, actually, it makes me think of, like, a pre-DVD player. Remember how... Right before Blu-rays took over, there were also the HD DVDs, and it seemed like it was kind of a war against the two, like, what one's better, Blu-ray or HD DVD? And Blu-ray won out, of course. It's basically, isn't a laser disc, it's, is it a disc, or is it like a, I'm gonna look that up right now. LaserDisc home video format. LaserDisc is a home video format and the first commercial optical disc storage medium initially licensed, sold, and marketed as MCA DiscoVision in the United States in 1978. It is not a fully digital format and stores analog, analog video signals. LaserDisc had several advantages over VHS. It featured a sharper picture. With a horizontal resolution of 425 TVL lines for blah, 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 blah. While VHS featured only 240 TVL lines. All right. Let's see. Could handle analog and digital audio where VHS was mostly analog only. And the NTSC discs could store multiple audio tracks. This allowed for extras like director's commentary tracks and other features to be added onto a film, creating special edition releases that would not have been possible with VHS. Disc access was random and chapter-based like the DVD format, meaning that one could jump to any point on a given disc very quickly. By comparison, VHS would require tedious rewinding and fast forwarding to get to specific points. Yes. Remember like, oh, I want to watch this movie. Pull out the VHS and realize, well, tch, hasn't been rewound yet. So you got to sit there and wait for it to rewind. <sighs> and then by the time it does rewind, you're like, actually, I want to watch this one instead. <laughs> Working in a video store with VHS tapes, it was just, ugh. 
Then rewind it again. Pop it in the uh, portable VCR rewinder. <laughs> Apparently laser discs were initially cheaper than video cassettes to manufacture because they lacked the moving parts and plastic outer shell that are necessary for VHS tapes to work. And the duplication process was much simpler. A VHS cassette has at least 14 parts, including the actual tape, while LaserDisc has one part with five or six layers. A disc can be stamped out in a matter of seconds, whereas duplicating videotape required a complex bulk tape duplication mechanism and was a time-consuming process. However, by the end of the 1980s, average disc pressing prices were over... $5 per two-sided desk due to the large amount of plastic material and the costly glass mastering process that needed to make the metal stamper mechanisms. Due to larger volume of demand, video cassettes quickly became much cheaper to duplicate, costing as little as a buck by the beginning of the 90s. If you go to, I'm guessing this is Wikipedia, you can learn out more. Um, Lastly, real quick. By the advent of DVD, Laserdisc had declined considerably in popularity. Oh, by the invention of the DVD, the Laserdisc had declined considerably in popularity, so the two formats never directly competed with each other. Every once in a while, I'll see on like Shop Goodwill or eBay Laserdiscs of like The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, stuff like that. The other twin is like, anything? Do you have anything? Any of these? And Michelle says, I have a Mr. Potato Head. She's even got a adorable little dollhouse right behind the girls. These kids clearly get whatever they want, whenever they want. A TV, a VCR, a laser disc player, basically, so what? The parents don't have to interact with the kids and they just like buy them whatever. No wonder they're so spoiled. I bet they take one look at that dollhouse like, what, it's not a Barbie's dream castle or a dream house or whatever? Ugh, I really don't like these girls. they like, boring! They both pull out these handheld devices that are really bulky and clunky. They don't even have cartridges in them, but automatically they sit on Michelle's bed, which if I were Michelle, I'd be like, that's my bed. Sit on the floor. They don't... Oh, yeah, let's play Ballerinas of Death, which is a game that doesn't exist. Probably just as well. The title sounds horrible. What does that mean, Ballerinas of Death? So are they fighting zombies? Or, um... Are they fighting enemies with their ballerina skills? I don't know. And all of a sudden, it's like the games come to life with all the bleeps, bloops, and sounds. And it's like, there's no cartridges. Did they have memory cards in a slot somewhere? Which I doubt. And this is 1992. We're not there yet with the technology. Michelle's kind of hanging back by um, the end of her pencil bed and asks, When can I have a turn? And one of them looks up looks at her and says, <laughs> When you get one. I'd be like, get off my bed. Both of you. There's a table. You can go sit at it. But you're not sitting on my bed. Yeah, she says, when you buy one. <laughs> Do you know what this kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of in the 90s. Remember the Tiger Electronic handheld games? Um, Disney came out with a lot of different ones. I have Beauty and the Beast in 1992. I had Aladdin. I had Lion King. 
And there are also a lot of different sports, like football ones. I think Little Mermaid had one. 101 Dalmatians also had one. I wouldn't be surprised if Home Alone also had a... Oh, remember the talk boy from Home Alone? My cousin, how coincidental his name is Kevin, had a talk boy. And eventually, a year or so later, they came out with a talk girl that was pink. But I just... (laughs) How we'd, like, record, like, I think it was, like, an episode of Fresh Prince that was in a rerun on television, and my cousin, like, took his talkboy and recorded, like, a piece of, like, a scene off of it, and it was so, it was so funny, (laughs) turning it up to, like, be, like, really fast, like a chipmunk voice, and then turning it really down to, like, a slow voice, and we just laughed and laughed. (laughs) But these hand, these, I mean, the tiger handhelds were decent that they weren't overly heavy and bulky. They just fit right in your hand. And you're just, you know, using your thumbs to hit buttons and stuff like that. I don't think I ever beat, um, I never beat any of the three games that I got. I think there's three levels to it. And I just, I never, I mean, I think the last level at the end of Lion King was to beat Scar in that last battle. And then I think the other one in Beauty and the Beast was the Beast against Gaston. And um, I think Aladdin's was, of course, Aladdin against Jafar. But it's like, these things look like they weigh at least 10 pounds. And they just, they look so bulky and awkward. Michelle again rolls her eyes like, ugh, this is gonna be a long night. Oh no, she's like, ugh, boy, is this gonna be a fun night. Michelle, you don't gotta stay in the room with them. You can just be like, well, I'm going downstairs to hang out with Joey and Stephanie and DJ because (laughs) I'm not gonna stand here and just be ignored while all these girls are like sucked into their ballerinas of death video game. So, what do you guys want to do? Do you have a TV, a VCR, a laser disc player, anything? So basically, you want to watch potato a head. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> we like video games. Come on, Debbie. Let's go play ballerinas of death. We can play them with other cartridges. <laughs> When you buy one. Ugh, you kids are playing with oil. Boy, is this going to be a fun night. <laughs> I'm with Michelle. Mm. So if you chalk it up to what the girls, those two twins wanted to do, it's like, yeah, I'm a TV, VCR, laser display. They wanted to basically sit down and just watch a movie. And that's how they're constantly entertained. Which, I mean, I was as a kid too. But I still could entertain myself in other ways, you know, playing with Barbies or using my imagination and and running around outside. My guess is the mother just plops the girls down and puts on a movie or a laser disc, whatever. And that's what the kids are sucked into. Anything else? That or the, the handheld video games. I'm sure they have a Nintendo or whatever, um, what other entertainment game system would have been out in 1992. Was Sonic around in this? I don't think Sonic... 92? I thought it came out in 94. You know, let's ask Jeremy. I have a question for you. 
Um, what year did Sonic the Hedgehog, the game, become available? Is that 94? I think it was 91. Oh, okay, so it was 91. So Sega had already been out by then? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't know why I thought it came out in, like, 1994 or 95. Oh. Alright, so the front door opens. Jesse can't even bother to open the door with his hands because he just like nudges the door open with his foot. Like, I am so stuffed. I can't even use my hands to open the door. Like, ooh! Carry me in. I'm done. Jesse <laughs> comes in. He's like, man, that was good eating. I eat so much lobster, I'm sweating butter. <laughs> no, he says sweating butter. <laughs> okay, Dick, enough of this. He's He says, well, I hope you didn't ruin your best t-shirt. Oh, Jesse turns and glares at Dick. And you hear the audience go, whoa. Like, woo. Oh, Joey, just in time with Debbie and Darla. Like, oh, I hope Dick... Donna, you don't mind? I gave the girls uh, some Sundays. And Donna's like, girls, what do you say to Joey? And one of them says, it would have been better with hot fudge. Ugh. Oh yeah, an ice cream sundae. Yeah. Mm, those are yummy. I love how Joey is just this fake politeness as he says, well, you're welcome. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> I'm getting out of here now. So, Dick and Donna settle in on the couch to give Becky an update on the home front. What's going on in Valentine, Nebraska. And lets her know about her old boyfriend, Doyce Plunk. And Dick says, Mary Ellen Matthews married Doyce Plunk. And Donna says to Jesse, he was Becky's old boyfriend. And Donna... How long has she been with that family? Because she acts like this is common knowledge. We all thought that Becky was going to marry Doyce. And Becky clarifies, <laughs> I was never going to marry Doyce. I mean, think about it. Jess, or Jesse and Becky have been married for, what, roughly probably around two years at this point? And Becky is been on the show in San Francisco since season two, so 1988. And those girls look to be probably about maybe seven or maybe a couple years older than Michelle. So how long has Donna been around? Has she like dated Dick for a while and then they got I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Because she acts like she's been around for years. Like she's been close with the Donaldson family. Like Oh, yeah, I was there when they first started, Becky and Doyce started dating. And, oh, he's so nice and came from a well-to-do family, much like ours. Ugh. But they take such glee in rubbing this in Jesse's face with, oh, Jesse could have married, you know, up in her family. Instead, she had to marry down by marrying you. It's just the way that the Dick and Donna make Becky, it's, they make it seem like Becky settled for Jesse just because she was in, you know, San Francisco and Jesse was in San Francisco. So if you think about it, in a way, it's almost like they're, 
It almost feels like they're saying, wow, Becky, you're kind of a loser because look who you married. I hate this couple. Can we get them and their goober brats out of here? We got to actually listen to the girls recite a poem on stage at the twin competition. And Dick says how Mary Ellinger is counting her blessings. And he says... They live in a mansion almost as big as ours, and Doyce gives her a coupe de ville every year. Why does she need a new car every single year? That clearly these are people that are trying to quote unquote keep up with the Joneses. Like we gotta have the newest product, the newest car. I'm sorry, I'm painting a glim picture here, but these people are really bringing it out of me. Why are they looking at Jesse like, well, he does this for his wife. What do you do for your wife? Do you get her new, her new, the newest model of automobile every single year, even though she doesn't need it? I love Jesse as he says, yeah, but try popping a wheelie on one of those things. So Dick says, oh, well, we better get a move on before uh, someone steals our hubcaps. Jesse's like, oh, I get it. Small joke. And Dick says, no, I'm serious. Are you nuts? They live in San Fran in a very well-to-do area. So Donna takes the girls. They head to the door. And Becky says, oh, Dick, it's a very, it was a very nice dinner. Thank you for dinner. It was nice seeing you. So she's going to go upstairs and check on Nikki and Alex. So Jesse says, I'll be right up, honey. I just want to throw, I mean, show our guest to the door. <laughs> Dick actually does catch Jesse saying, throw. Yeah, like, uh. <laughs> so Donna goes with the girls outside to go sit in the car. Well, Jesse and... Dick kind of lay the cards on the table as Jesse refers to this scene. Like, let's drop the charade, let's be honest with each other and just say how we really feel, which is neither of us can stand the other one. Jesse's point's 100% valid. Dick, on the other hand, not even remotely. He's basically reacting to Jesse like Becky really married down in her social state. They're farm Dick acts like he's running that da- the on the show Dallas with the oil rigs and everything. I'm sure they have a giant wonderful fruit farm empire in Valentine, Nebraska, the Donaldson name. I'm sure if you were if Google existed, you look up Donaldson Farms in Valentine, Nebraska, they're going to have a website. They're going to have a Facebook page. So Jesse tells Dick, like, hey, Dick, let's lay the cards on the table, pal. You don't like me, do you? And Dick says, well, I'd like you as an acquaintance. I'd like you as a waiter. And he says, I'd even like you as a mechanic. He says, but as a cousin, well, we all expected Rebecca would someone well better. I'm like, you piece of work. You are a cousin. You're not a sibling. You're not her Becky's father. Where do you feel you have a right to say anything? Why is he so concerned 
Is Becky like an heir to the Donaldson Farms fortune? Because at one point, a few times, she's mentioned she's got a whole pack of brothers at home. That's how she learned about hockey. And the good guys finished last episode with Joey and the uh, hockey uh, thingy-majiggy that he was doing. So this guy is just... Do you have any family members that are that invested in who you marry? Especially when you're, you are you come from like a family-owned business. I don't like the... I just... I don't like Dick feeling he has a say in who Becky marries. Or even thinks he's allowed to have an opinion. And to be constantly voicing it while... Like, dude, you are a guest in their home. Granted, they live in the attic, but still. You are a guest. Did you forget your manners at the door? Did you leave them in Nebraska? But he's such a stereotype type of movie slash TV rich person that always, you know, sticks their nose up in the air and, you know, looks down at people. I'm I'm just saying in television and movies. I'm not equating this to real life in any sense of the term. He just seems so dang preoccupied with this. Oh, the audience has a... Oh, they're like, ooh. They all want to take a shot, a cheap shot at uh, Dick. I want to get in line to take a cheap shot at him. Jesse, oh, I love how he points a finger right in Dick's face, because Jesse is taller than Dick. He says, listen, I am not your acquaintance, and I'm not your waiter. And let me tell you something. If I was your mechanic... You'd be having brake problems. And the audience just applauds like, yes, Jesse. What? <laughs> Woo! They're applauding. They love it. What are you going to say to that little man? <laughs> so Dick pretty much says, well, I guess we know where we stand. What's that that uh, Principal Vernon says in Breakfast Club? Oh, you mess with the bowl, you'll get the horns. Yeah. Take a take a memo there, Dick. <laughs> he like leans. Jesse leans him and like <laughs> small joke. If I were in Jesse's place, I definitely would be like, you know, I know that you're family to Becky, but let me remind you, you're a cousin. You're not a sibling. Why are you so preoccupied with your cousin's marriage? That just sounds really disconcerting and uncomfortable to me. What's up with that, Dick? Why don't you, why don't you tell me, that, you know, why don't you, yeah. So, Dick leaves on this note. He's like, well, see you at the expo. And then he turns around before he goes out the door and says, well, you know, it's a good thing that you didn't decide, that you decided not to put your kids in the expo. I mean, why put them through that re rejection anyway? This guy is so sure his... Pod twins are going to win. Now I'm calling them pod twins. Robot twins. He is so sure that they're going to win. You're insulting toddlers, sir. You think little girls reciting a poem about how adorable they are, which I'm sure he wrote that, in Easter Sunday dresses is going to be 
better than two adorable twin boys in Elvis costumes rocking out to an Elvis song? <laughs> the audience speaks for itself. Yes, we'll get to that. Becky needed to hear that. Like, he is putting down her son's. If I, oh, if I were Becky, I would stand there. I'd be like, excuse me, you can go. Do not ever show your face in this house. Or, you know, better yet, don't even show your face in California. I mean, if I were Becky and he was putting down my kids, I was like, ho, ho, ho. It would be time to throw down because that is unacceptable. Those are little babies you're insulting, you jerk. Well, Jesse's fired up. He's like, you know what? You pushed me too far. I'm going to enter my twins in that contest. And when they win, it's going to make you wish you never left Nebraska, pal. Yeah! How you like damn apples? Larry Appleton. And Dick's like, oh, looks like someone's got their lobster bib on. It's a little too tight. <laughs> small joke. How is that a small joke? That joke didn't even make any sense. I love how Jesse shouts in the door. Here's a big joke for you. I don't even like lobster. And then he slams the door shut. Man, that was good eating. I ate so much lobster, I'm sweating butter. <laughs> I hope you didn't ruin your best t-shirt. Oh, jerk. Oh, Donna, I hope you don't mind. I uh, made Debbie and Darla some ice cream sundaes. Oh, not at all, girls. What do you say? They would have been better with hot Fudge. Oh, you're very welcome. Always a pleasure. <laughs> oh, uh, Becky, little news from the home front. Mary Ellen Matthews married Doyce Plunk. He was Becky's old boyfriend. We all thought she was going to marry him. <laughs> yeah, right. I was never going to marry Doyce. Mary Ellen sure is counting her blessings. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in a mansion almost as big as ours. And Doyce gives her a brand new Cadillac Coupe de Ville every year. Why? <laughs> yeah, try popping a wheelie on one of those things. <laughs> okay. Well, we better get a move on before someone steals our hubcaps. Oh, small joke, right? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Let's go. Well, it's been a wonderful evening. Cousin Dick, thank you for dinner. I'm going to go upstairs and check on Nikki and Alex. Donna, good, good night, night. Good, good night, girls. I'll be up soon, honey. I'm just going to throw our, I mean, uh, show our <laughs> yeah. guests out. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, Dick. Just lay the cards on the table, pal. You don't like me, do you? Well, I'd like you as an acquaintance. I'd like you as a waiter. I'd even like you as a mechanic. But uh, as a cousin, well, let's just say we always imagined Rebecca with someone better. Let me tell you something. I'm not your acquaintance. And I'm not your waiter. And if I were your mechanic, you'd be having brake problems. Yes, Jesse! You tell him. Small joke. <laughs> well, I guess we know where we stand. Yes, I guess we know. See you at the expo. Oh, and uh, smart move, not entering the twins contest. I mean, why put your kids through that kind of rejection? <laughs> you so sure you can win. 
All right, now you've pushed me too far. You know what? I'm going to enter my twins in that contest, and they're going to make you wish you never left Nebraska, pal. That's right. Ooh. <laughs> Looks like somebody had their lobster bib on a little too tight, huh? <laughs> Small joke. Yeah. Well, here's a big joke for you. I don't even like lobster. All right. I'm excited. Let's get to the Twins Expo. Okay, this is a very colorful set. I love, you know, they got the t-shirts, they got, like, teal little book bags, red messenger bags. We have, um, the two older, dark-haired, bespectacled ladies from Wake Up San Francisco. We got a couple of... Adult male twins look to be probably somewhere in their 20s or 30s. Wearing black t-shirt, black pants. We see a couple of twins that look like they're probably around Stephanie's age. Wearing what looks like exercise clothes. A couple guys that are dressed in slacks and denim shirt, button-up shirts. So many twins. So many. Joey's kind of pointing them out to Michelle and Stephanie, like big ones, little ones, as far as twins. And we see two blonde-haired ladies walk by. Each one has a matching sheepdog on a leash. And Michelle says, even furry ones. I like 70s comment here when she's like, come on, Michelle, let's go see if they have eyes, the sheepdogs. Well, they probably do. They're just buried under all that fur. It's probably why it's important, like, you gotta make sure your puppy dogs can, you know, see, like, trim that, trim that hair, trim that, trim that hair. I love, yeah, and Jesse and Becky are, you know, each holding a twin, like, oh, did you see that doggy? It was so fluffy, and here come Dick, Donna, and Darla and Debbie are dressed in what look like Sunday Easter, I'm going to go hunting for Easter eggs on the church lawn dresses. Dick is so sure of himself. He's like, hey, Jesse, when my twins win the twin competition, do you think you can help me be- carry that big old trophy out to the car? And Jesse says, no, because my kids are going to win. And of course, Dick says, oh, you sure you got room up in the old attic for that trophy? Of course, Dick and Donna think that's the funniest joke they ever made, on top of all the others they made at Jesse and Becky's expense. So, they leave, and Becky turns to Jesse and says, Look, I just wanted to enter this contest for fun, you know, for the, for the boys and everything, and you're just turning this into a, a battle against my cousin. You just want to beat my cousin. And Jesse's like, Yeah, that sounds like fun to me. Which it does! Becky, come on. Don't stand there and tell me you don't secretly want to beat your cousin. Because you, as well as everyone else watching this episode, can see the guy is a jerk. He's got no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Hey, kids, look at all the twins, huh? Big ones, little ones. Funny ones. Come on, Michelle. Let's go see if they have eyes. You see that dog? Jesse, when my kids win the favorite twins contest, you think you could help me carry that huge trophy out to my car? No, because my kids are going to win. Really? Well, you think you have room for that trophy up there in the old attic? 
You know, Jess, I just wanted to enter this contest for fun, and all you want to do is beat my cousin. Sounds like fun to me. Come on, let's go get the kids ready. All right, so Jesse, Joey, and Becky are going to get the twins ready for their their little uh, show in the competition. We see Stephanie and Michelle hanging out at this table that has ra- uh, raffle tickets. And Stephanie right away sees these adorable 10 year old boy, it's probably 10, 11, about her age, dressed in a nice brown, green plaid button-up, and the hair just kind of nice, kind of parted down the middle. If I were Stephanie, I, I mean, I was Stephanie's age when this episode came out, so I probably would have thought those boys were cuties. So you know what I think? I might have, but I don't think I was really into boys until probably about 12, 13, but then I kind of, I did kind of sort of have a boyfriend around second grade. Kind of, sort of. Had one. But I love how Stephanie's trying not to be obvious. Like, she's trying to, like, look out of the corner of her eye. Like, I'm trying not to be too, too obvious that I see them looking. The boys are thumbing through some t-shirts, you know, nonchalantly, like, oh, let me pretend I'm flipping through these uh, t-shirts here while I can casually, like, out of the side of my eye kind of glance over at her. And Stephanie says, Michelle, there's boys looking at me. And Michelle turns her head and Stephanie's like, don't look. And Michelle's like, well, how am I supposed to know if I don't look? I gotta say, I love Michelle's little sailor outfit. It's blue with lime green little pinstripes going over the shoulders and then also lime green little mini scrunchies for her pigtails. She pretty much had pigtails the entire episode, which I I think she's adorable. I love the pigtails. So, Stephanie is taking... DJ's advice with the half smile. Like, hey, check this out, Michelle. What do you think of this half smile? I agree with Michelle. She says, I think you need the other half. Right on cue. We cut back to the boys and they are smoothing down their hair. Not that it needs it because it looks beautiful. These kids are so cute. They're so adorable. Surprised they didn't do anything else after. But then again, they don't have that many lines. Everything just goes according to the exact step advice that DJ gives with the the looking at you, staring, the fixing the hair. And Stephanie kind of looks over her shoulder like, great, it's working just like DJ told me it would. They're fixing their hair. Oh, they like me. <laughs> How Stephanie is not subtle at all with like, Michelle, no offense, but <laughs> get lost. And Michelle says, well... Since she asked so nicely. Okay. <laughs> she just walks off. But yeah, I just, I love Michelle's little sailor. I th- I think, honestly, she's going to get second place because you know, you know, first place is going to the, tw- the Nikki and Alex in their Elvis suits. Apparently, Joey was waiting right there to take Michelle's hand to look around the rest of the expo. As soon as Michelle's out of there, the boys make their move. Andrew and Thomas 
And she's like, I'm Stephanie. Yeah, their plaid shirts are like kind of a uh, olive moss green with black stripes running across along with like thin red and gold stripes running across their shirts too. It all really goes together. It's really nice. So, of course, Thomas asks if Stephanie has a twin because they really like doing stuff with twins. I love I love how Stephanie just kind of rolls with, like, oh, you mean a twin sister? Of course. I, who doesn't, right? I mean, it's a twin expo. It's a twin expo. I'm surprised to let anyone in the door who does, who isn't a twin. So Andrew's like, super, where is she? Stephanie quick on her feet. He's like, well, um, I'll go find her. <laughs> so Stephanie runs over to DJ and says, quick, I need your jacket and your hat. And... TJ's like, okay, but you look fine. And Steve is actually holding, I'm not sure what they are. They're, they're baskets of what, maybe corn dogs? It looked like maybe a fish taco. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> DJ asks, you know, why after Stephanie's like, I need your hat and your sweater. And DJ, or Stephanie says, don't ask questions, please, please. <laughs> TJ's like pulling off her sweater and her hat. It's like, well, you look fine. And Stephanie says, well, it's not for me. It's for my sister. And she runs off. And Gigi's like, Michelle? <laughs> like, you, I'm the other than me. Michelle's the only sister that you, that we have. And she would not fit in these clothes. So Stephanie comes dressed in DJ's black hat and green sweat. It looks kind of maybe hunter green. I don't know. She's, hi, I'm... Yeah, she takes on this whole other identity of like, Hi, you must be Andrew and Thomas. My sister Stephanie told me all about you. Oh, she told me I'd find you here. Thomas is like, oh, what's your name? And Stephanie's like, uh, my name? Uh, Bethany. <laughs> so they start asking her typical twin questions. Like, oh, what do you and Stephanie like to do for fun? You know, since you're twins and all? And Stephanie says, oh, pretty much, you know, the same thing. So Thomas or Andrew, I don't know which one is which now, because they probably switch sides, uh, ask where Stephanie is. And Stephanie is Bethany says, "Uh, Stephanie, she was here with me a minute ago. You know, I'll go find her. And then she comes, pops right back and says, she's not herself today. And the boys look at each other like, hey, what? This is confusing. Hey, Michelle, are those cute guys staring at me? No, don't look at them. How am I supposed to see them if I don't look? Okay, time for the half smile. How's this? I think you need the other half. All right, they're fixing their hair. It's just like DJ said, they like me. Uh, Michelle, no offense, but <laughs> get lost. Well, such as nicely. Okay. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm Stephanie. I'm Thomas. Do you have a twin? No. <laughs> we really like doing stuff with twins. Oh, you mean a twin sister. <laughs> Who doesn't? Super. Where is she? Well, uh... I'll go find her. <laughs> DJ, quick, I need your hat and your sweater. Why? Don't ask questions. It's an emergency. Please, please. Okay, okay. But you look fine. It's not for me. It's for my sister. What? Michelle? <laughs> Hi, you 
must be Andrew and Thomas. My sister Stephanie told me I'd find you here. Hi. What's your name? My name? Uh, Bethany. <laughs> so, Bethany, what do you and Stephanie do for fun? Oh, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Where is Stephanie? Stephanie? Uh, she was with me a second ago. I'll go find her. <laughs> She's not quite herself today. <laughs> So we cut to the stage where the Twin Expo, is the competition is going to take place. And Danny's on a 1992 version of a cellular phone. It's big, it's blocky. I mean, it's not like Zach Morris, you know, big and blocky. But let me just say, you ain't, you're not going to text on that thing and surf the web. <laughs> but he's calling... To get a hold of Vicky. Like, oh, she's traveling with the Chicago Bears. She might be, she'll be the only one in the locker room wearing high heels. Then Danny, like, listens and he's like, what? What? Really? Wow. Interesting. Apparently, uh, whoever he's talking to has got some inside details on what goes on in the Chicago Bears locker room. Oh, he's like, really? He does? Stephanie comes back, says, I'm back, Bethany. And one of the boys says, wait a minute, we thought you were Stephanie. And Stephanie kind of has to lately tab her head like, right, yes. <laughs> she says, wait a minute, you're absolutely right, I am Stephanie. The other, they're both like, this is getting weird, what's going on? Stephanie finally decides to break down and tell the truth that, look, um, the truth is I don't have a twin. I made it up because you guys said you only like to do things with twins. And either Thomas or Andrew says, well, I think I can make an exception. And the boys start fighting over here. Like, hey, I saw her first. No, I did. No, I did. And Stephanie, love how she comes between the twins, puts a hand on either one and says, boys, 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 boys. There's enough of me to go around. <laughs> she, I love how she, like, puts her arm her arms through their arms and she walks off. I love the audience reaction to that. Like, woo, go Steph! I mean, if the boys really like doing stuff with other twins, there were a couple twin girls, the ones in like aerobics outfits that were probably right around there in Stephanie's age that they could have picked up. But they locked Stephanie in their sights and knew they just had to have her. We like her. Which, then again, makes me think, okay, if you like doing stuff with twins, why would you single out one single person by themselves? Why would you even bother chatting her up if you're, you like doing stuff with twins? I've had Stephanie will go to school on Monday and say, oh my gosh, I went to this twin expo and there's two cute boys, twin boys, that picked me. Oh, oh it was so great. How many of her friends are going to have that type of a story? <laughs> And here we go again with Stephanie. As Stephanie and the boys eventually are going to catch on to why is it whenever you're here, she's not here. And when she's here, you're not here. Something does not smell right here. I'm back, Bethany. I thought you were Stephanie. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I am Stephanie. <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah. What's going on? Alright, the truth is, I don't have a twin. I made it up because you said you only hang out with twins. Well, 
I guess I can make an exception. Hey, I saw it first. I did. I did. I did. Boys, 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 boys. <laughs> Let's not fight. There's enough of me to go around. Oh, Stephanie. Woohoo. Yeah, go girl. And this, of course, in the goofs is what the person was talking about that I agree 100%. As Joey says, there's your cousins, Michelle. Do you want to go wish them good luck? Joey, they are not her cousins. They are not even blood related to Michelle. They are Nikki and Alex. At first I thought, oh, he's talking about wishing Nikki and Alex luck. But no, he's talking about the Donaldson twins. They don't share the same last name. Well, she doesn't share the, share the same last name with Nikki or Alex, but they still share the same similar bloodline. Yeah, Joey says, hey, you can wish him luck before the contest. And the look that she gives Joey is like, please tell me you're joking. That is the last thing I would ever want to do. And Joey's like, well, or, or not. Like, yeah. Even with Michelle! She asks, why should I be nice to them? They were mean to me. And Joey says, being nice is contagious. Maybe they'll catch it. And Michelle says, yeah, like chicken pox and they'll get all itchy. And he says, well, maybe contagious wasn't the right word. I mean, as much as they say kindness can be contagious, it honestly, because you could smile or wave at someone and they will just not even look in your direction. Or they will and they won't even respond. They'll be just a blank slate. Like, almost kind of makes it like, why did I even bother raising my hand to wave at you? Or why did I even bother to crack a smile that could have been used on somebody else that could have given one back? So, Dick brings Debbie and Darla over to Joey and Michelle. And Michelle says, Debbie, Darla, good luck. And the girls look at each other like, or what is that supposed to mean? What do you think it means? It means good luck. Are you two really pod people? Are you pod twins? Are you robots? You can't comprehend what good luck means. No, it's because they're extremely rude and bratty that they can't handle taking a compliment. I don't even think they've ever been delivered a compliment to even know how to accept one. And the, oh, the one twin asked, like, what do you mean by that? With this snotty look on her face, like... Girl, the one twin who says that is actually surprised. And they both turn to look at each other, look at Michelle, and say, Thank you! <laughs> Dick and Donna walk past. Don't even say anything to Joey except for smirk at him. He's like, <laughs> always a pleasure. Michelle's like, Joey, did you see that? They even said thank you. He's like, yeah, I told you it worked. He's like, what did I tell you? And he puts his palm up for a high five and she slaps it. Yeah, Joey and Michelle were sitting on the side of the stage, which this stage looks... It's small, it's just for the set, but I don't like the old couch cover fabric floral print. It's just really gaudy and gross. Hey, there are your cousins, Michelle. You could wish them good luck before the contest. <laughs> or not. Why should I be nice to them? They were mean to me. Well, because being nice is contagious. Maybe they'll catch it. 
officially called the favorite twins contest and Danny of course tries to make a joke that doesn't land with anybody he says and no you're not seeing double there's only one of me <laughs> oh no he says and no you're not seeing single there's only one of me I'm like um okay that didn't land either but of course before you can even get out another word his mobile phone I'm calling it a mobile phone it is not a cell phone and it's Vicky. Here's what I don't understand. Why, if you can't talk now because you're on stage with a microphone, why even bother to pick the phone up and say, Hi, Vicky, this isn't really a good time right now. What is that, a towel snap? Okay, honey buns, I'll call you later. Click. Oh, no, that actually comes before he's going to announce the winner. Excuse me. But still, again... If you can't answer the phone, if like, like if you can't talk right now, if you're in a conversation and someone's calling you, would you pick up and say, hey, I can't talk right now, call me back? Or would you just let it ring, probably go to voicemail, which didn't exist for Danny then in 1992, but it just seems like me as a caller, if someone picked up the phone and said, can't talk right now, call later. Don't even bother picking up. Just let it ring and the person will call back. All right. First up is the Spellman Twins from Gary, Indiana. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear Gary, Indiana, I think of Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5. Remember the TV movie back? It probably actually came out right around this time that this episode came out in 1992. Jackson's An American Dream, which kind of gave you a bit of a backstory on Michael Jackson growing up with his brothers and his family and forming the Jackson 5 and then later on, you know, breaking away from his brothers and then kind of forming his own solo act, become thus becoming... Michael Jackson, the king of pop. So, yeah, whenever I hear Indiana or, like, Gary, I'm like, yeah, Michael Jackson. He grew up out that way. So, the Spellman twins are cheerleaders. They're high school cheerleaders, of course. This gets Steve's motor revving because he's like, yeah, yeah. And, of course, DJ looks at him like, you cannot be serious right now. You're my boyfriend and you're cheering for those girls up there. Sit back down, sir. Because he's like, oh, um, excuse me. Oh, oh, boring. Yes, very boring. It's like Stephanie gave DJ's sweater and hat back because she's now wearing them. I love how Stephanie's sitting between Thomas and Andrew. (laughs) Alright, next we have what look like bodybuilders, Lex and Rex. They're wearing spandex black shorts with... A little bit of uh, pink on the uh, fuchsia on the bottom. And Danny, again, trying to make a joke like, Wow, I haven't seen that much beef since my last double whopper. Then he taps the microphone like, This thing on? It's like, 
yes, it's on, but no one's finding your jokes to be funny or even chuckle-worthy. And the guys that are up there, Lex and Rex, they're in gray tank tops, and they literally look like beefy versions of Rambo. Well, not that Stallone wasn't beefy, but... Oh, 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 you know who else? I just thought of it. If you've seen the movie Christine, it's um, it's a horror movie. It came out in, like, 1979, 1980. And there's a bully in that movie. His name is Buddy Reberton. The curly, long, dark, flowing locks. Just like the, just like the, tw- the, the twins. I want to take a good look at uh, some of these twins that we got here in the audience. We have some that look like fraternal. We also have a couple of of color. We have two Hispanic girls, probably around Stephanie's age, maybe a little younger. We have a couple of um, Asian gentlemen look like they are part of the Army, the military, the Navy, the Air Force, some jurisdiction of uh, armed services or armed forces. Some of the hairstyles you can definitely tell are very, very early 90s. We got a couple ladies with um, v-neck dresses and and their hair has kind of got that that permy kind of uh, look with, with the bangs and yeah. Alright, the next contestants that are up are the Donaldson twins and Debbie and Darla go on stage of course, we have Dick kind of on the side of the stage, like, make daddy proud now. Like, Those poor kids are probably under so much pressure. I can see why they are the way they are. Girls, you're carrying on the Donaldson name for the time being until you get married or decide to keep your name. Make me proud. Don't make me embarrassed. The poem is very lackluster. They each get to say a line. The majesty of... America, the beauty of the sea, the majesty of America, beauty, the beauty of the sea, the seven wonders of the world are not as cute as we are. Uh, that is the worst poem I've ever heard in my life. It just shows that these girls are very all about puffing up their egos. And it's being drilled into them via their parents. I feel so bad for those kids. I think they need to be taken away and put in a home where parents will treat them correctly. Dick and Don, they're they're horrible. Why would you make it? Poems all about how adorable and how cute they are. And it just sounds so self-centered. What if they did an impression from The Shining with the two girls? Like, come play with us, Danny. Come play with us, Danny. I gotta say it, Vicky the robot from Small Wonder has more <laughs> emotion coming out of her than these two kids. And it's not the actress's fault, it's just they seem like pod pod children. They just, mmm. You can definitely, actually, if you look at the two twin girls, you can see there is a difference. The way to tell them apart, one has a bit of a longer face and the other one kind of has a fuller face. So Dick rushes the girls off stage and Danny says, all right, now for our last act, the Katsopolis twins. 
Mickey and Alex Katsopoulos. Jesse sets a boombox off to the corner of the stage and brings out the boys that are wearing these adorable Elvis suits that are white and have um, kind of a cape attached that's kind of like... The whole suit itself is like white with kind of gold and running down and also red and blue. It's just really... And it makes me think of... um, in Fuller House with Jesse dressing up baby Tommy in an Elvis outfit. So reminiscent of that. And it also makes me think of when uh, Mad Money, remember that when Jesse was going to that club to do that rock and roll heaven segment as, you know, dressed up like Elvis and it's an Elvis, you know, rock and roll tribute. And he's got the red scarves that he's, like, pulling and giving to DJ and Stephanie. And here, he does the same thing, but he gives the red scarf to, like, Becky and Michelle. It's just so adorable. And I love how he has the boy's hair slipped back with the little curly cue kind of Elvis-like in the front. Oh, and the costumes! They have, like, this little, um fake diamond studded on the front and they're both holding these little toy baby guitars. They look so adorable. Love the audience reacting just ah. I, guys, I remember this ep- watching this episode when I was like 9 going on 10. And I remember it because my sister was still living at home and I had a TV in my room and she was actually in my room with me watching it. Which is really, uh, that's one of my memories that I, I remember. We were both watching. I was definitely an avid Full House watcher. I love how Jesse kneels behind them on stage and he's doing the whole Elvis, like, arm, sh- like, shooting out, like, Arr. And the boys are kind of standing there, you know, they're, they're two, they're a little awkward and stuff, and he's kind of trying to have them move a little bit so they're not just, you know, baby statues dressed like Elvis. The audience loves it. This is, it's so fun. I love the lighting coming down on the spotlights, the red and the other, it's just, it's a, oh, I love this. I love how Becky is just clapping and just like, she's smiling and laughing like, oh my gosh, this is so adorable. Joey and Michelle are smiling like, oh, so cute. He picks the twins up and goes to one side of the stage, kneels with them in his arms, and then he stands up, goes over to the other side of the stage, kneels with them in his arms. Oh, the back, the white cape does have the eagle, the red, white, and blue eagle on the back. And the collar is also studded with, like, rhinestone bedazzled fake diamonds. Oh, I love their outfits. How about Danny refers to the boys as Elvis, the next generation? All right, let's bring every all the contestants. And we see that there are more contestants that were in this favorite twins contest than just... The Spellman twins, Rex, Lex, Nikki and Alex, and Darla and Debbie. There were um, also the ladies that were on Wake Up San Francisco. And we cut to the audience as Michelle says, Nikki and Alex were so adorable. Joey turns to Becky and says, you must be pretty darn proud, Beck. And she's, oh yeah. Twin Elvis impersonators. Every mother's dream. (laughs) Of course, as he goes to get the judge's decision, the envelope that reveals the results... Is when Vicky calls. He answers the call and says, Oh, you know, Vicky, this is not a good time. He asks, Are you still in the locker room? Is that a towel snap? 
And he says, okay, I can't talk right now. I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. Okay, goodbye, honey buns. And you see the audience go, oh, oh. <laughs> He's like, uh, where was I? And Jesse's like, the winners, honey buns. <laughs> like for a second, Danny forgot he was on stage. He's like, oh, that's right. I'm in the middle of revealing who the winner is. He just called Jesse sugar hips. Alright, runners up and second place winners are Debbie and Darla Donaldson. And apparently Dick can't handle being second place. He's like, excuse me, runners up. I demand a recount. 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 And Danny's like, Rex, Lex, can you please take care of him? And they lift Dick up and drag him off the stage. I love it when Dick says, uh, runner's up, and Jesse just beaming from ear to ear. You heard the man. <laughs> love how we see him being dragged down the aisle by Lex and Rex, and Jesse is just smiling like, <laughs> And we see, actually, the paper that reveals the winner, who he says is Nikki and Alex Katsopoulos, of course, as it should have been. And it's, it looks like someone just wrote it on a, like, ripped a piece of paper out of a spiral notebook. Can you, because you can kind of see the edges on the side. <laughs> but yeah, sweet. And you cut to, I almost called him Larry Appleton. <laughs> you cut to Dick and Donna hugging, comforting each other. The kids, the girls look fine. They don't look distraught at all. But they're probably like, we're going to have to hear about this on the way home. Uh, and on the plane ride back to Nebraska. Uh, and on the car ride to the hotel. Uh. They can't, they're so, sh- the guys are so, sh- they're, Dick and Donna are so like, whoa? I love again how Jesse kneels behind the boys. Joey throws up uh, one of the red scarves to the boys. <laughs> and I like how Danny is kind of comforting the twin that's behind Jesse. He's kind of like patting his back and everything. Probably like... Uh, Jesse's kind of focusing on the one twin who's in front of him. And Nikki and or Alex is right behind him. It's like... Yeah, just make sure he's not uh, gonna start crying or anything because oh, it's a lot of, there's a lot of people there on the set and that could be you know, and they're up on stage, there's probably a lot of noise, applause going on, so it's probably gonna, you don't want to scare the little babies. I love he's holding his twin sons and it's just like, yes! Those boys deserve to win. They won't remember it, but still. Twins of all ages. We're about to begin the highlight of the Twins Expo, the favorite twins contest. I'm your host, Danny Tanner, and no, you're not seeing single, there's only one of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's bring out our first contestant. Welcome, if you will, from Gary, Indiana, the Spellman Twins. Yeah! Yeah! Sit down, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, Lex and Rex. Oh, man, I haven't seen that much beef since my last double whopper. Is this thing on? Let's bring out our next contestants. Please welcome, if you will, the Donaldson Twins. Make Daddy proud. And now, up home. 
The majesty of America, the beauty of the sea, the seven wonders of the world are not as cute as we are. Thank you. Thank you. The Donalds and Twins. Okay, and now our last contestants. Please give it up for Nikki and Alex Katsopoulos. Contestants up on stage while our judges make their final decision. Nikki and Alex were so adorable. You must be pretty darn proud, huh, Beck? Oh, yeah. Having twin Elvis impersonators, every mother's dream. <laughs> oh, now it's the moment you're waiting for. Let me get the judge's decision. Huh? Excuse me. Just let you know it what? rain, Danny. It's my, my jacket. <laughs> um, pardon me. Hello? Yeah, Vicky, you know, this is not a good time. Yeah. Are, are you still in the locker room? Was that a towel snap? Oh, okay, look, look. I, I can't talk right now. I'll call you later. Okay, okay honey buns. Bye-bye. Where was I? The winners, honey buns. Yeah. Thanks, sugar hips. Okay. Our runners-up and second-place winners are Debbie and Darla Donaldson. Oh, wow, Debbie even got second. Runners-up? Yeah. You heard the man. Yep. There's got to be a mistake. I demand a recount. Uh, recount. Oh, so why is he even there? We really need a recount. I'm sure there's, there's, there's some mistake. Goodbye. Really, <laughs> now, it's time to announce our first-place winners. They are Nikki and Alex Katsopoulos! Yes! Sweetness! Look how it can be! So it's later that night, it looks like, and. Jesse is polishing this beautiful trophy. It's so beautiful. I love it. And he's saying, we kicked their butts. We kicked their butts. Becky comes down to see Jesse polishing this beautiful giant trophy. And Jesse says, hey, why don't we take a picture of this trophy and send it to a... Your cousin, you know, for the Christmas card this year and send it to your jerk cousins. Or better yet, how about this? Why don't we skywrite loser across the sky in your in front of your cousin's mansion? And she says, well, that should spread some Christmas cheer. And then she asks, honey, why are you so obsessed with my cousin? Um, no, you know what the correct question would be, Becky, is why is your cousin so obsessed with you? And who you the who you're married to? 
that just it it felt like it was bordering on obsession. The fact that ugh, like well, we hope Becky would do better in you know marrying up in the family instead of marrying down and settling for you. It's like ugh, he just he was so preoccupied with that. Is putting Jesse down? It's like that's a correct question. It's like. Cousin Dick, why are you obsessed with the fact that I married someone who's not in our Nebraska social circle? (laughs) So it's later that night, it looks like, and Jesse is polishing this beautiful trophy. It's so beautiful. I love it. And he's saying, we kicked their butts. We kicked their butts. Becky comes down to see Jesse polishing this beautiful giant trophy. And Jesse says, hey, why don't we take a picture of this trophy and send it to uh, your cousin, you know, for the Christmas card this year and send it to your jerk cousins. Or better yet, how about this? Why don't we skywrite loser across the sky in in front of your cousin's mansion? And she says, well, that should spread some Christmas cheer. And then... She asks, honey, why are you so obsessed with my cousin? Um, no. You know what the correct question would be, Becky? Is why is your cousin so obsessed with you and who, you, the, who you're married to? That just, it, it felt like it was bordering on obsession. The fact that, ugh. Like, well, we hope Becky would do better in, you know, marrying up in the family instead of marrying down and settling for you. It's like... Ugh, he just—he was so preoccupied with that. Is putting Jesse down? It's like that's a correct question. It's like, cousin Dick, why are you obsessed with the fact that I married someone who's not in our Nebraska social circles? And he's like, well, no, I'm not obsessed. And this is where he comes up with the idea, like, let's hire a skywriter and skywrite loser across in front of his big mansion, and Becky. I'm not kind of sure what, um, her hair, she's got it kind of in a, um, a a top ponytail thing where it kind of, like, flows along the back. I don't even know what that's called. But she's wearing a white top that definitely shows some midriff. And Jesse says, I'm sorry, I guess I am obsessed. It's just, I wanted to show your cousin that even though I can't buy you a mansion and buy you a new Coupe de Ville every year, it's just that we have great kids. And she kind of, you know, she sits on his lap and has an arm around him and says, Honey, what are you talking about? And he asks, Do you think you would have been happier if you'd have married a Doyce Plunk? And she just looks at him with an eyebrow raised, saying, Rebecca Plunk? And he asks, So that's a no? And she says, Honey, of course it's a no. Yeah, after she says, Rebecca Plunk? He asks, is that a yes or a no? And she says, of course it's a no. And she says, I don't care about cars and money. And I don't care what other people think. Good for you, Becky. Good for you. And she says, all I care about is you and our life together. And she says, I wouldn't trade it for one minute of all the mansions in Nebraska. Oh, <laughs> love how she kind of runs her fingers through the back of his, you know, uh, his hair, and it's just—it's so sweet, guys. I love their relationship together. I love it. That is a real, honest love of two people. You don't need all the money in the world or 
fancy houses and expensive cars to show you don't have to shower someone with gifts all the time to show them that you love them just be there and be in the moments and stuff and just enjoy each other's company and you know the saying whether it's a saying or not with we may not have a lot of money but what we have is a lot of love and a great relationship and let me tell you the Donaldsons may have a lot of money. They may live in a mansion, drive expensive cars. But they don't have what Jesse and Rebecca have, which is pure, beautiful love. You know, they're raising their boys not to be spoiled and selfish and want every single thing in the world. They're being a prime example for. Danny's girls on what a, a, a nice marriage looks like. Because really, if you think about it, the only one who's going to even remember a little bit of Danny and Pam's marriage is going to be DJ. Anything up from, what, age 5 until maybe age 9 or 10? But the rest of this is pretty much just watching Jesse and Becky... I mean, really, if you think about it, it's just everyone wants someone who they can grow old with. Everyone, you know, whether or not maybe wants someone that they can build a life together with. Or not, you know, some people decide to just go off on their own, their own and do their own thing in their own direction of life. And that's okay, too. And Jesse asks, well, I guess I kind of did overreact, didn't I? And she's like, well, not completely. I mean, my cousin is a jerk. I love that she's like, my cousin is a jerk and I'm glad we kicked his butt. Yeah! Oh, girl! I love this Jesse and Rebecca moment. He says, you know, I may act crazy sometimes, but it's only because I'm crazy about you. Oh! Relationship goal, Jesse and Becky. And they kiss, and I love how Jesse, while he's kissing Rebe uh, Becky, grabs the trophy and thrusts it into the air. And that is the episode. We kicked their butt. <laughs> Honey, I got a great idea. Let's take a picture of this, we'll put it on our Christmas card, and we'll send it to your idiot cousins. <laughs> that should spread a little Christmas cheer. <laughs> Jess, why are you so obsessed with my cousin? Honey, I am not obsessed. Why is your cousin obsessed? I got a great idea. Let's hire a skywriter and we'll skywrite loser over his big mansion. Jesse. All right, I'm a tad obsessed. It's just, uh, I just wanted to show him that even though I, I can't buy you a mansion and I, I can't buy you a new Coupe de Ville every year, that, that we have really great kids. What are you talking about? You think you would have been happy if you married Doyce Plunk. Rebecca Plunk? <laughs> a yes or a no? Of course it's a no. Jess, I don't care about cars and money. And I don't care what other people think. All I care about is you and our life together. And I wouldn't trade one minute of it for all the mansions in Nebraska. Yes, I did kind of overreact, huh? Well, not completely. My cousin is a jerk, and I'm glad we kicked his butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I may act a little crazy sometimes, but 
Like I said, that's the episode. I hope you guys had a fun time with this. I sure had a fun time with this episode. And again, I want to wish Blake and Dylan to Moy Will Hoyt a happy birthday, even though their birthday was on Sunday, the 29th of November. So, best outfit, of course, is going to Nikki and Alex in their little Elvis costumes. Second place runner-up is going to be Michelle with her adorable navy and lime green striped sailor outfit and her braids just love them now i don't have any relatable character for this episode that i can really relate to i'm trying to remember i think we had at least three in my grade alone there are three sets of twins and all three of them looked identical there were two sets of girl twins and a set of boy twins and who was the worst? Oh, 100% Dick and Donna. Dick in first place, Donna in second place, and of course, I'm not going to word anything like that to the twins because, you know, their parents are brainwashing them with that kind of behavior, and I just hope one day those girls will be able to break that cycle and realize it's better off if you're nice and friendly to people because that goes a long way than being rude and spoiled and selfish. More than likely, they probably live in an area of Nebraska where everyone is maybe that way and maybe they just think that's acceptable behavior. But, um, yeah. Tanner Teachable Moments. You don't go... I'm gonna sit and... You don't go to someone's house and start bad-mouthing their spouse or whoever, their family in front of them. Cause, and let me tell you, don't just sit there and take it. Feel free to have a voice and say something. Feel free to kick the people out too because there's one thing about being polite. There's another way to stand up for yourself. This is not something that I would just say, don't let it roll off your back. That That is just toxic garbage person behavior what Dick and Donna were doing and Becky I really honestly wish I wish she would have stepped up and said you don't speak to my husband that way who I marry and how I live my life is none of your concern and just yeah again again with Dick just it's just it felt like it was bordering on obsession with Becky and how you holding up. Oh, and your old boyfriend married Mary Ellen Matthews and they're living high off the hog. And, oh, Jesse, we all expected Becky to marry Doyce and just saying about, like, oh, you're kidding. You're not really getting your GED. You're an adult. You're an adult. Just putting them down to every single way that they possibly could. Alright, well this Friday I will be kicking off the first episode in the Jesse and Becky The Next Chapter New Parents series with Season 5, Episode 11, Nikki and Slash or Alexander. 
This episode aired November 19th, 1991. Back home from the hospital, Jesse can't tell his identical twin sons apart, Nikki and Alex. Or, can't tell his identical sons, Nikki and Alex, apart. Meanwhile, Danny likes his new temporary co-host, Vicki Larson. Yes, this will be the episode where we meet Vicki Larson. And of course, next Monday, I will be covering an episode for... Another pair of twins that are celebrating a birthday on December 5th. The twins, of course, that I'm speaking of are Dashiell and Fox Messett. They both play the role of Tommy Fuller on Fuller House. And the episode I've chosen for that is Season 3, Episode 13, A Tommy Tale, which... Aired December twenty second, uh, December twenty second, twenty seventeen. DJ attempts to get Tommy into a fancy daycare. So yes, look for that one next Monday, and look for Nikki and or Alex on December fourth this Friday. Everyone have a great week. Bye bye.